Hi, I'm Jesse Rath, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season five episode of Supergirl titled The Bottle Episode. But first, we need to catch up on the news. Supergirl has been renewed by the CW for a season six so we have a, another season of the show to look forward to. So I guess we got renewed as well. We got renewed. So you're going to have another uh, season of Supergirl Radio. So that is all very exciting. Uh, I kind of want to start pitching stories for season six now. I had a, actually a really great pitch in my head earlier today. And I'm just while we're here talking about season six. I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on this, Morgan. It, what what you think of this idea? So we have seen in season five, we've got some, some more cast members from TNT's Dallas. I Yeah, we have gotten a lot, like a lot. <laughs> yeah, so we have a lot of the, the, the cast from uh, the reboot of Dallas. So I was thinking about uh, Josh Henderson, who played J.R.'s son on that show. Yes. And I really would love to get him on Supergirl. And I was thinking, you know, it'd be really cool if, like, he came on. He was, like, this cowboy, you know, this, like, rugged cowboy. Just just go with it. This is, this is something <laughs> I would want to see. And so then I started thinking about cowboys ride horses, right? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going with you. I think I know where you're going to end up. <laughs> what if Josh Henderson came on and played Comet. I think that would be all my dreams coming true. <laughs> Isn't that is such a good idea? I mean, I don't want to brag. It's such a good idea. I like, and I like that you like did the did your work on that one out loud for us. Like, like you stopped doing like math class. Like you showed your work. You're like, <laughs> Josh Henderson was on Dallas. Dallas is about cowboys. Cowboys were horses. <laughs> Comet the super horse? I just think it would work. And I don't know why they haven't thought of it. I mean, listen, we've what we all really want is for Supergirl to have uncomfortable sexual tension with her horse. And what better way to achieve this? I just think it could work. And I hope it shows up in season six. I'm just putting it out there. 
Josh Henderson, Comet the Super Horse. <laughs> we are putting it out there into the universe. I'm going to put it on my, like, the secret board. And that's how I'm going to manifest it into reality. Look, I just think it would be great. And so that's why I'm excited about Supergirl Season 6. We have another potential chance for Comet the Super Horse. <laughs> Maybe it's coming in Season 6. I just really want, like, by the end of the show, by the end of the run of the show, my goal is that every cast member from Dallas <laughs> shows up at some point. I just think, doesn't that feel right? Like we're halfway there. We're, we're so very close. close. What's Judith Light doing right now? I bet she could be on <laughs> Supergirl. Oh man, <laughs> Judith Light. Who would she play? I mean, who could she play? I mean, <laughs> that's true. She could play anyone. Oh man, what if she came on? She's like a female director Bones. I was going to say, what if she came on as a love interest to direct Bones? <laughs> so I like that we were both on the same, like the same level with that. She was such a good villain on, and this kind of became Dallas Radio for a second, <laughs> but, but she was such a good villain on Dallas. Oh, she was great. She chewed so much scenery and I loved it. Oh, so good. So good. Um. So that's, I guess, our hopes for season six. This is Supergirl. It's just more Dallas. <laughs> just put some more Dallas in there. Uh, that will make us happy. But uh, very exciting. Uh, congratulations to the the writers and the cast and the crew. Uh, so that's awesome. Uh, so I am. We have some some more TV news. Morgan, do you want to get into that? We sure do, Rebecca. Uh... <laughs> I just like the throwing it back and forth. <laughs> I just We're so like, professional. Let's 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 get really professional up in here. <laughs> back to you. No. Um, <laughs> so Superman and Lois has been officially ordered to series for the 2020-2021 TV season at the CW. So the CW is like we're renewing everything. We're ordering everything we want everything that's their that's their motto so superman and lois uh which will still film its first episode this spring ahead of the may upfronts uh even though they don't have to anymore they don't they could just phone it in now uh <laughs> follows the world's most famous superhero and comic books most famous journalist uh as they deal with all the stress uh pressures and complexities that come from being working parents in today's society so we're getting some superman in lois uh 2020 2021 so since we're having two kryptonian tv shows on at the same time i i just want to reiterate that this uh Supergirl needs to uh, make itself separate from Superman and Lois. And I think the best way to differentiate between the two is to bring on Comet the Superhorse. We need two things to make it its own thing. Comet the Superhorse, obviously, obviously, Director Bones. I just think that, I, I just don't think Superman and Lois is going to have those components. You're You're asking yourself... Which show should I watch? Should I watch Superman, uh, you know, change a diaper or <laughs> two diapers, two diapers now, two <laughs> diapers now, or I mean, Kara, is she going to start dating her horse? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's the story I need to know more about. <laughs> why is her Why is her new boss just a uh, bones in a sharp suit? That's <laughs> That's the kind of stories that you only get on Supergirl. 
I just think we need something to separate it out now uh, because now we have two Kryptonian shows, which is which is great. And uh, so we'll have to see what happens with that. I assume that like Clark and Lois's boys are older now. I don't. I don't know. I mean, like, what? Where? When do we think this is taking place? Because is it possible that they're still? It's taking place in like the current timeline, and they're like still babies. Well, that's the thing. Did Crisis, when they rebooted the multiverse, they literally rebooted the multiverse. Just want to uh, put that <laughs> back out there. Uh, did that change the timeline for them? Are their kids I, now It, it would be funny if Oliver was like, I hate babies. And just like, no one likes watching them on television and just <laughs> makes them into like into like a acceptable age for like a tv show like oops i I guess i did this for you (laughs) you say that people don't like watching babies but one of the most popular things in a television show right now is baby yoda that's true that's true i mean baby yoda has really proven that we love (laughs) we love babies you just gotta you just gotta do the baby right man (laughs) it it helps if he's a tiny alien that's gonna help which they are <laughs> so you could keep these boys as babies and just lean into it. Lean into the fact that they're babies. Because that's what Baby Yoda did. Exactly. He's a baby. He acts like a baby. I just had these babies getting into all kind of baby nonsense. <laughs> but, like, what? Listen, I'm going high concept on Superman and Lois. What if after a couple episodes we establish the premise, right? We're in it. We We know Superman. We know Lois. We know what they're about. Uh, you know, fifth episode, all from the baby's point of view. <laughs> just a day in the life of that baby. Oh, my gosh. Just, like, getting into all kinds of shenanigans. <laughs> it's like, uh, look, who, look who's talking. Yes, that's that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it weird that now I'm the most excited for Superman and Lois to spend time with the babies? Like, I don't care about Superman and Lois anymore. <laughs> I'm all in on these babies, man. <laughs> Why don't they put us in charge? It's a good question we ask ourselves all the time. <laughs> We've already like uh, did did the conceptualizing on Supergirl season six. Yeah, we've already written an episode of Superman and Lois. We're breaking things all over the place we, here. <laughs> we are really coming up with some ideas here. We're just free idea central. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, man. I would want to see. Like, I wasn't really, like, I'll probably watch Superman and Lois, but I wasn't really interested until you pitched that Look Who's Talking episode. <laughs> I mean, it would be so good, right? Like, it it's just so babies, good. like, crawling around. It's like it's like the uh, live-action version of Rugrats, and they're just, <laughs> just don't know what's going on. <laughs> I just want to say a personal uh, bit here. Uh Look Who's Talking To is way better than the original. Yeah, you know what? I don't remember them very well, but I do remember that being true. Because Look Who's Talking To, uh, I know people have mixed feelings on Roseanne, but her voice on that little baby girl is so funny. And there's a scene when she learns how to walk. It's brilliant. Uh, Comedic brilliance. So anyway, I'm just putting that out there. Go watch Look Who's Talking To. It's fantastic. (laughs) What a great sequel. 
All right. Well, I guess that's all uh, of our scholarly uh, analysis on the news items uh, for this week. So let's get into this week's episode discussion. So here is the official description of the bottle episode. Quote, the subsequent comp... Ooh, comp... Mm. Uh, I'm getting complications <laughs> on saying the word complications. So let's start that over. The subsequent complications from the crisis leave Supergirl to face a chaotic threat, unquote. So uh, immediately I'm seeing from the crisis. Uh, I would assume that would be from crisis. I guess, are we calling it the crisis? I like how detailed this description is. Like, I, I feel like a couple episodes ago, the description writer, like, really got to come alive and, like, really <sighs> add some flavor and, like, like really got in there and was like, this is what I'm doing. Like, I'm bringing my whole self to this job. And this time they were like, just give us a sentence. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fine. Like, come come on back, description writer. <laughs> I mean, subsequent, that's a pretty, you know, yeah, it's a $5 word. That's true. That's true. They were like, I I've got one sentence, but I'm going to make it great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get out my thesaurus. <laughs> um, so a lot of things happen in this episode. There's a lot of brainy things that we got to talk about. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of Luther stuff that we need to talk about. But the thing that I really took away from this episode, Morgan, is... There was a lot of hope disrespect uh, that happened in this episode. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on this because it really kind of irritated me. Because it wasn't just one time that somebody said something. It was multiple times. It was multiple times. Um, first off, excuse me? <laughs> what? Uh, I was furious. I was like, <laughs> you could only hope. Hope. <laughs> <laughs> to be as amazing as that little robot was. <laughs> she was willing to risk it all. <laughs> yeah, Lex says to Lena, he says, you don't need a robot and you don't need friends. You need a partner and imagine what we could accomplish together. And Lillian says to Lena, she says, you push people away and put all your faith in that robot. I think Lex is is maybe almost on to something because he's right. She doesn't need a robot and she doesn't need friends. What she needs is a robot friend. <laughs> hope come back to us yeah i couldn't believe all the hope disrespect is like listen supergirl writers like no disrespect i'm right here we're podcasting about it we like the show hope was the best hope was the best part of the season <laughs> like what what are you doing what are you doing you're shooting yourself in the face here <laughs> you had a potentially homicidal robot on your hands there like there was all you could only go to fun places with hope and now i'm concerned that the uh that the crisis reboot means that hope is no longer does no longer exist like i guess everybody remembers pre-crisis and it's also funny that like lex remembers everything pre-crisis and felt the need to tell his mom like think about how petty that is where because because Lillian was like I don't remember what happened before Lex just told me about it so stop and think about the fact that he told her like and like Lena's only friend is a robot right now like <laughs> don't tell no no seriously mom don't tell her I told you but like literally only a robot <laughs> it does open up a lot of questions because it I don't know if Hope existed and now she doesn't, or did she never exist in Eve Tessmacher? Is she just out there somewhere without 
without the robot in her head. And I'm assuming that, like, because none of that stuff that happened pre-crisis happened anymore, like, Eve or Hope or whoever's out there is not in jail anymore. So, like, is Eve going to, like, pop up and be like, hey, here's your coffee order or, <laughs> like, working in the lab or I, – I mean, I, I just don't – it, I'm still kind of confused on what does and doesn't exist post-crisis because it seems like – here's the thing, and here's why I feel shortchanged. It appears that we still have Leviathan, uh, but somehow we lost hope. It's like, That's not the priorities I would have made this season. I would agree with you that they really kicked themselves in the face because hope could have been a great big bad at the end of the season. And maybe they're going there with the, some of this Brainiac stuff because it sort of felt like they were building up to Brainiac, like Brainiac, Brainiac. So I, I don't, I don't know. And we'll we'll talk about that when we talk about the Brainy stuff. But it it just seems like they should have gone towards an evil AI towards the end of the season. So now if they get rid of Lena's little robot friend. They only really have Brainiac, Brainiac to go to. And it also feels like there was like a lot of like, I know we joked about it, but there did feel like there was some foreshadowing that like hope was going to be, you know, a problem later on in the season. And now it kind of feels like they were like, whatever, that robot, we're over it. I'm like, no, but wait, I want to, I wanted to see hope rise. (laughs) ascendant evil (laughs) this reminds me i know we talked about baby yoda earlier but this sort of reminds me of how like disney it's it seemed like disney didn't think that baby yoda was going to be a big deal when the mandalorian came out and they weren't ready for it but then baby yoda kind of sort of took over the show and everybody gravitated towards baby yoda is what they liked about the show and i sort of feel like that that's what's happening on supergirl is I don't think the the writers, and maybe it's just us. It's also possible, and, and I'm going to put this out there, entirely possible, that we are actually the people who care about hope the most. It seems, now that I'm saying it, not just possible, but probable. So, <laughs> so it's possible that other people are like, I don't understand why you're spending like 10 minutes talking about a minor robot character. And to those people, I say, how dare you? How, first of all, how dare you? And also... Too soon. <laughs> Too, I'm not. I haven't processed my feelings about it yet. So I just. I think. I. I don't think that maybe the writers anticipated that we would gravitate towards the evil <laughs> robot friend as much as we have. But it does kind of feel like something has been taken from us, and it is sad. We may have to have like a an in memoriam <laughs> episode <laughs> on. Oh. <Bro>. <laughs> uh, uh. But Sad. but I guess since we talked about it, um, so what are your thoughts on this post-crisis, post-crisis, post-Amade world that we're living <laughs> in? Because it does seem like some things are the same and some things are different. So what are, how are you reading this? I feel like in this episode, you're kind of where the characters are, where you're just like, what is this? What is this world that we we exist in now, and how does it work? And uh, I, I do think it's so. I'm not that I not that I'm hating the Lena and Supergirl storyline, but if e- ever there was a time that they could have just kind of reset 
Lena and and Supergirl to being back to friends and like kind of skimmed around this whole like Lena Luther being super mad at at Supergirl thing. It it would have been now. Like they could have really reset that relationship. So the fact that they like went right back into the fight was like very much a deliberate choice. So like now you definitely know that it's going to be a big part of the season and it's like not going to resolve itself easily because they had a the opportunity to kind of be like okay, well now Car gets a do over and she can like, you know, t- tell Lena who she is and and maybe that'll fix things and and instead Lena's like, "Oh, I already know." That's cool. <laughs> and the reason that she knows is because Lex restored her memories. And also she but she woke up with her memories. So it it, it am I understanding it correctly that Lex basically like made um a deal with the monitor when the monitor brought him back to life that was like no matter what happens like Lena's okay. And so this that deal meant that Lena like woke up with her memories without John having to do like what was it we're calling it the magical memory boop (laughs) (laughs) and also think about that because like the the monitor literally brought him back to life what a flex to be like (laughs) oh no 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 I won't help you unless you uh, like agree to my terms it's like dude you were dead I brought you back to life. Like, what is your bargaining chip? <laughs> you got to respect. You, in that way, you have to respect Lex a little bit. He he's got some guts. Uh, uh, that one. He's got some moxie. Um, I don't know. I sort of my initial reading on him restoring her memories because I I I I, I can go with Jean being able to restore their memories. I get that. Martian Manhunter has those abilities. How does Lex Luthor have that? So either he made a deal with the Monitor, or my initial reading was he drugged her somehow because he talks about a methohexical... Yeah, methohexical... Yeah, hexatol. Hexatol. Methohexatol. Hangover. What the heck is that? What is he talking about? I don't know. So if anyone has any thoughts on what the heck that meant, what he was talking about, uh, because it sounded like she had had some sort of drug something or other uh, administered to her. Maybe I'm misunderstanding that. If anyone else has any thoughts on what that meant, please uh, email supergirlradio at gmail.com. So I, I was kind of agitated that Lex was able to restore her memories. Maybe he also gave himself the ability to do that when he rewrote the <laughs> Book of Destiny. Maybe he can memory boot people too. Maybe. So, I don't know. I, I felt like that was a lazy way to go about it. That, oh, Lex can just reboot, uh, uh, can restore people's memories. That that I, th- I thought was a little convenient. Yeah, it, it almost feels like there's a lot of repercussions from crisis and also almost none at all yeah. does that do you feel that way like a little bit all of our all of our major characters remember pre-crisis and uh and as of this episode we're diving right back into the leviathan stuff as if like the whole multiverse didn't just collapse and then like realign itself in a very different ways and i feel like the biggest difference from what i can tell uh with the supergirl 
post-crisis universe is just that like everyone thinks Lex Luthor is a super swell guy. And that seems like it. Well, there's something that there was a conversation, I think, between Kara and Alex where they referred to Catco as a tabloid. Yeah, I thought that was strange, too, because first off, not that we know, we, <laughs> we, we've struggled for years to figure out what kind of media conglomerate Catco is, That's but true. I, guess we, I guess we have our answer now, and it's a, t- but doesn't that seem like it doesn't align with, like, Cara's values? No, it doesn't at all. Not and Cat Grant would now some versions of Cat Grant might have been working for a tabloid because oh, yeah, yeah. she had a past in being a gossip columnist in some iterations of her character, but they always operated, especially when James was in charge, operating under the truth and being a good journalist and having a lot of ethical, you know, standards. Also, I mean, think about it this way: like last season, the world was saved because Cara was such a good journalist, and then. Earlier this season, she got a Pulitzer, right? Yes. From a tabloid? <laughs> it would be like, okay, and now our, our next Pulitzer goes out to, I think I'm reading the National Enquirer. Cara uh, Danvers, come on up. <laughs> like, it's, I don't know if she was saying that Catco was a tabloid or that Catco under like Andrea Rojas was turning into more of a tabloid. Maybe. Because that's the only interpretation that makes sense to me because clearly Catco was never tabloid-esque before. That's what I was confused about. I didn't know if it was something that changed with Crisis or if I was just misunderstanding Catco this whole time. The beauty is that (laughs) either version could be true like there is a valid interpretation for either of those two options that we've just the whole time have never really truly understood catco uh yeah so that one was the the big change that i thought about was the catco tabloid thing but then there's also of course like you mentioned lex coming in and he's he I don't think he's director of the DEO because he referred to Alex as director Danvers, but he's somehow her boss. I want to keep saying he owns the DEO, but I don't think that can be true because isn't the DEO a government organization? Is it still a government organization? He did make a commercial for it. Well, I think we do have a voicemail that addresses that a little bit uh, about... um, how there's something within the episode. I need to rewatch it, but there's something about how Lex, about how the DEO was losing funding, and so Lex swooped in and gave him some money, and so that's how he's in charge of it now, which still oh. doesn't really make a lot of sense if the DEO was a government agency, uh, because wouldn't the government, like, bail itself out if that became a problem? I don't know. So uh, that I'm a little confused about, but I agree with you on that commercial, although I liked the idea of the commercial, because it reminded me, um, for one of the San Diego Comic-Cons, Lost, the TV show on ABC that we talk a lot about on this podcast. Love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, they had an Oceanic Airlines commercial that sometimes I will go back and rewatch it just because I love it so much. Oceanic Airlines. In the air since 1979. Oceanic Airlines. 30 years with a perfect safety record. Oceanic Airlines. 
like Oceanic Airlines, you know, we have the the best uh, safety record in the world or whatever, you know, because the joke is they crashed on a, a magical island. Um, so it sort of had that Oceanic Airlines commercial vibe, and I thought that was kind of cool. But uh, it was weird that the Supergirl in the commercial was, I guess, supposed to be like real Supergirl, but then Kara comes in and she's like, I can't believe any version of me would ever do that. So how is there a commercial with Supergirl in it doing that stuff? I don't know. Does that make sense Sense as a question? Like, yeah. if Kara didn't do it, how does that exist? The crisis is so confusing, Rebecca. It is so, so I guess, confusing. Like, there is a version of the of that universe that existed up until, like, our heroes sort of drop themselves back into it because they everything changed. So it's almost like Kara sort of sort of parachuted into the the post crisis world, like and sort of took over. But where is that other Supergirl then? It's kind of like Kara took over that other Supergirl's life. I would. Think right? What? Like maybe, I mean, maybe there's, I, a, like, maybe there's a dark side we haven't really been exploring. Because if you think about it, for that commercial to exist and for them to say like, "Oh, Lex, you and Lex work together," you know, all the time, really closely, there had to have been before this crisis, like the, uh, some universe where Kara and Lex were, were like, you know, Supergirl and Lex were buddy buddy, and like Supergirl thought Lex was swell, and they did commercials together. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you there. I'm just it's confusing. So if Kara comes in and supplants herself into that position, what happened to that other Supergirl? Nobody else cares about this but me. But I was, no, no, no. I, I was, think I think we're we're going down this rabbit hole now. I think we're descending <laughs> into into this spiral, and I I'm fine. I'm jump I'm jumping on that slide, and I'm going taking it all the way down because <laughs> I'm so confused. Because it's if you think about it too hard, like we're doing, <laughs> like <laughs> was this a, a universe that was created? after crisis or was this like a universe that they kind of i don't know rebecca i'm so confused like are is everybody's memories just fake oh is it like everybody has these false memories of things that actually never really happened because the the universe actually only like was only created like two weeks ago <laughs> Like actually, everybody's two weeks old, really, and uh, except our except the Paragons, like everybody else has really only been around for two weeks, so they had to like backfill in memories. Like I don't. I mean, I guess we should just ignore it and just it's keep probably going. best not to go this way. We're gonna get so. The other thing I think is funny is we're gonna get so many emails that are gonna be like, "Oh, you guys, it's that's not how. That's not it." <laughs> And I, I'm saying it kindly because our listeners are very nice to us. It's going to be like, oh, no. Yeah, well, if someone does have a theory and an explanation for that, because that was the thing that like just kind of s- stuck in my, is, is it is the phrase stuck in my crawl? Is that is that just a it southern is, thing? Yeah. It, and I don't even know if I'm using that phrase right, but it's stuck <laughs> in my crawl that there was a Supergirl that worked with Lex and it was in that commercial, but Kara had nothing to do with it. And I was like, how does that work? I don't, because it's not like an 
Elseworld. Yeah, I know. It's supposed to be her. So I, I don't know. I just, that that was very weird to me. Like, I like the idea of that commercial, but then I also don't understand it. <laughs> so there's, there's kind of a, a pro and a con there that I, it was just very, very strange. Um, so I guess since we're sort of still talking about the DEO and, and the Luthers, so we saw that Lex was in charge of the DEO now. Um, he, the, I guess the DEO is like a Luther Corp subsidiary um, owned by Lex, sort of operated by Lex. And Lex is now, for whatever reason, trying to... Re- I mean, I guess not for whatever reason. I guess he is lonely and he wants to reunite with his family he tells he confesses to lena under the truth seeker that he uh doesn't want to be by himself that he's lonely and so i guess that's part of what's driving him to try to partner up with lena again and to reconnect with his mother we saw lillian mama luther survived crisis like we knew she would uh she was you know knocking down children (laughs) to to survive (laughs) crisis so, uh, what did you think about the Luthers sort of teaming up again? The Luther stuff is always just so consistently good that I, I like when I see any of the Luthers on screen, I'm like, yes, this is this is my time. Uh, especially, I think especially when she goes to see Lillian, and Lillian is like dressed in like is like in the like the soft pink office and like the soft like. like easter colors and she just looks she she just looks so nice and inviting and and uh and and lena's like what's up and she's like oh it's me i'm awful still (laughs) i I love i just loved it i love that there is like in my brain again crisis is confusing but there's like a soft sweet version of lillian that's like i just want to help everyone and then and then like lex goes in to see her and she's like well hey son how's it going just doing some charity here and he's like let me tell you about how you're awful and she's like no that sounds better let's do that (laughs) (laughs) because if you think about it if you think about it like she is the only one who it sounds like did not get her memory restored unless lex has that memory boop power and so she she was like oh no Lex just told me about it so if you think about it she's just going about her business like living her normal life like wearing her soft pastels (laughs) and then like Lex comes in is like here's all the like the really messed up stuff you did in our world and she's like oh I tried to uh, like shoot some some aliens into space on a (laughs) rocket I mean I I would have said yesterday that's terrible but today I'm kind of digging it Like what? What? Like what? Like changes somebody? I I don't know. I thought that was really funny. Just the like the they didn't explore it too much because it doesn't. I think if you think about it too hard, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like if somebody came up to you and was like, "Hey, it turns out that you're like super evil," you'd probably be like, "No, I'm I'm not though. It's not really (laughs) my jam." But she was like. No, I see it, and I love it. I'm embracing it. She was like that, uh, the world killer who was like, "I'm just gonna die so I can be evil." (laughs) She did seem to go with it rather quickly, especially after Lex just telling her. Yeah, that was that's what I couldn't get over. It's like she didn't say like, "Oh, Lex restored my memories." She was like, "No, Lex just told me about it." It's like, but you're working at like a like a charity. It seems like the Luther Foundation. 
Yeah, it seems like yesterday you were a good person. <laughs> really, just one conversation just flips you like that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess all Lily and Luther's are made out of the same stuff. It it seems that way. Oh, God bless the Luther's. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just I'm glad to see them all sort of on the same side, even though one of them is going to turn on another one. Like it's going to happen at some oh, point. It's an and then inevitability. I also like that, like, she, I think towards the end of the episode, she's talking to Lex and she was like, oh, Lena was leaning towards the Kryptonian. And then Lex is like, yeah. And they like, oh, they like practically like fist bumped, like, got her. Like, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is, what is that family even? I don't, I don't understand. I also don't understand, like, Lena's thought process which is just like Lena's thought process is like like a toddler who gets mad and then like smashes her own toys like <laughs> she's like I don't like it that you lied to me I'm just gonna go hang out with these people who literally try to murder me all the time goodbye car and car is like I just just kind of wanted to be your friend I'm like sorry I did that messed up thing to you that one time hey didn't you have to kill him <laughs> It's Lena's like, like, well, if I, if I'm, if I'm, <laughs> if you hurt my feelings, I'm just going to go with somebody who's almost definitely going to try to murder me. That's my plan. That's my plan. And you can't get in the way of it. And Cara's like, I don't think that makes sense. <laughs> I do respect that Cara was like, when she's talking to William and William is like, oh, hey, I have a new backstory now. And she's like, cool, I don't care. And he's like. <laughs> He's like, well, the Luthers are bad news. And she's like, hey, hey, don't talk about Lena that way. Don't talk about Lena that way. She's my best friend. And her only friend is a robot. And how dare you? And he's like, whoa, hey there. Did I, did I explain that I have a different backstory? She's like, no one cares, William. No one cares. <laughs> I had kind of forgotten he existed. Right? Me too. He just pops up at the end. I was like, whoa. I think what would have been funny to me is if like he comes up and he was like, can you believe those Luthers? And she's like, who are? Oh, God, that's right. Sorry, I forgot who you were. Uh <laughs> and I like I like William as a character, but he was towards the end there before crisis. Like, what was he, wasn't he even like what was on he, the show? What was he think. doing? And crisis, he he was irrelevant in crisis, and now him just kind of popping back up in the show reminded me that Leviathan existed, and I was bummed about that because I'm not crazy about Leviathan. I think poor William is is a uh, is suffering from uh, being even tangentially related to Ramakan. Yes. I think I think Ramakan has sort of like just tainted the whole Leviathan plotline because every time they they're like it's Leviathan, I think of him going like I control the earth. <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh no, no Skinner, you I can't I can't with you." <laughs> no, I like Gemma. I think yes. she's a little bit of a a snake in the grass. Uh, I'm putting a lot of idioms out there. Uh, I'm liking it. Phrases. I'm, I'm trying to see. But she... Well, I think I think the Gemma character, which I didn't realize, God bless, because I didn't know that was her name. Uh, I was just like, oh, blonde girls here. But, like, I think she fits more into the idea of, like, that I had, pr like, a preconceived idea I had of Leviathan, of them, like, they're everywhere. And they're, like, doing all this stuff, which is, like, kind of a scary idea of, like more like 
the black mirror stuff that they were saying that they wanted to do earlier in the season where she's like, you know, influencing technology that everybody's using and in like in their homes and like trying to get people like into, I don't know, into virtual reality and like kind of doing like businessy stuff that's like scary, but like behind the scenes, whereas like Rama Khan was like, just like a dude who kept throwing dirt at people. It was hard to take him seriously. <laughs> and I was like, is this what Leviathan is? It's this, it's this dude like standing on a pile of mulch. I don't, I don't think I like That's this. That's actually what <laughs> I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but I'm not really like, I'm not really taking it out it's of. It's true. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I did like the, the Gemma character. She calls herself, uh, Gemma Cooper when she goes to see Andrea Rojas at Obsidian North. And what I thought was really interesting about their conversation is that it, it was kind of strange because Gemma talked about how this new technology would be, would open up a whole new world for quote, harmed and damaged people, unquote. And I was like, that sounds like a bad idea. And, um, <laughs> She suggests to Andrea that that those people, I guess, the harmed and damaged people, uh, why are we why are we uh, giving them a world where we can let them do whatever they want to? That again, it sounds like a bad idea. But she suggests to Andrea that these people could live their dreams in the technology that they're developing, and that they could stay in those dreams indefinitely. And I thought that that was. I'm just trying to wrap my brain around that because it sounded like it was a dream world versus reality kind of situation. And I sort of put myself into it, into this conversation, like what I want to live indefinitely in a dream world or what I want to stay in reality. And it's weird to me that, I mean, I guess some people would want to stay in the dream world. Um, but I, I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works with this technology that we have. And it was it was interesting to me, too, because so uh, I, have you watched any Black Mirror? I think that's the no. the lead into that. OK, so the the idea of like going into a virtual reality and kind of like setting up shop and not coming back is a uh, is integral to like several episodes of Black Mirror. Mm. There's a couple episodes where that's sort of like what's happening in the episodes so that like but it, it also kind of made me go like you guys are taking your black mirror theme like a literal a little bit literally like <laughs> it's like you're kind of taking direct story elements from that show instead of being inspired by that show <laughs> but okay <laughs> well and then I guess this is what maybe separates that from Black Mirror, and you'll have to check me on this. But Andrea calls this idea a collective of being. And to me, that's where that seemed like it was foreshadowing Brainiac. Because Brainiac, Brainiac, goes around and collects worlds. And they sort of showcased some of that this week. And we'll, we'll talk about the Brainiac 5 stuff with the uh the bottle the bottle world um but i don't know that just that just seemed like if they are going to go where if they're not going to do the evil hope which again seems like a no-brainer but if they're not <laughs> going to do evil hope then they should do evil brainiac that seems like 
the way to end the season. That would be a great big bad, especially when you have Lex Luthor back in here. Um, you have Brainiac 5 sort of teaming up with Lex by the end of the episode uh, to take him down, I guess. So, I don't know. If this if this season does not end in Brainiac, Brainiac, the, I don't know what they're doing. Because it just, it seems like it's a perfect setup for it. And Krypton is not on anymore. And Krypton had Brainiac and did it masterfully. But if they don't, you know, if if some of the problem was, oh, we don't want to have two shows doing Brainiac. Well, then well, now we have one show that could do Brainiac. So I just, it will very much uh, disappoint me. If it doesn't lead to at least Brainiac by the end of the season, so I just I just think it's a weird setup if they don't do Brainiac. But um, that whole conversation was strange because I I don't really fully understand what they're doing. But I would prefer the Gemma Leviathan over the Ramakan Leviathan because I think Gemma is more of an intriguing character because I don't know what her deal is, and also she doesn't throw dirt, so I yeah. guess that is a plus <laughs> for her. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I I think that she's a, definitely a, a more interesting character. I had more post crisis questions about the not about the Leviathan storyline. Well, maybe about the Leviathan a little a little bit, but like, what is Andrea Rojas's backstory now? Because from what William said. His friend now, uh, his friend Russell now disappeared after not selling his company to Lex. Right. So now it is apparently that Lex killed Russell. And not Leviathan. And not Leviathan. So, like, did Andrea Rojas even date? Did she even become a Krata? Yeah, did she become, did she date Russell? Did she become a Krata? Did she, like, it, it, like, changing William's backstory also kind of changes Andrea Rojas's backstory because it relates to Russell. And so now I'm kind of wondering like, A, what was the point of that? <laughs> and and B, like, how does that affect like what we had established about the character? Because when we when we get back into like the Andrea stuff, like the last time we saw her, she was like hell uh, she's like really bummed. Like she was like kind of sad pretty upset about being like used by leviathan when we come we come back here post-crisis and she's like ah my old friend let's put everyone in the collective unconscious (laughs) and it was just like whoa okay like i'm not saying that andrea was like a like a hero or anything but she was at least like a sympathetic yeah villain kind of like it didn't seem like her whole deal was like let's take over the world um but now it kind of seems like that is her deal like she seems like pretty excited to be doing whatever weird leviathan thing that gavin wanted to do and so i was just like who is this person now like are we gonna get uh, are we gonna get another some more backstory on Andrea like if you think about how much time we spent in the first half of the season getting back like we had a whole flashback episode just about Andrea Rojas that may or may not be completely you know have been completely rewritten by crisis the thing I don't understand about crisis and this this fallout from what happened with the crossover is 
I guess I understand why Lex's story is a little different. Like why his position in the world is different because he rewrote it for himself. I get that. But why does everyone else's story have to change? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm confused about that as well. And like, I'm confused why they would change, for for instance, like prominent guest characters that they spent so much of the first half of the season like establishing. It would be one thing if they changed some of our more established characters and like tweaked them a little bit because we've had seasons with them. And so I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't feel like, oh, well that, you know, that whole storyline from three seasons ago, like whatever. But the fact that we spent so much of the first part of this season, like getting to know Andrea Rojas and getting to know what William's story was. And and then they have seemingly changed both of those things. They must've known that they were going to do that coming into crisis. I would, I would hope that they would have, Maybe figure that out. So why spend so much time on it pre? I don't know. It's one of those things where you have to change some stuff uh, coming out of crisis. But then, d- does making some of the changes that you make make the earlier part of the season like not matter? Yeah, I, that's c- the challenge, I guess, that but, they had this. The writers had going into this season. Yeah, and I think that's really unfortunate because they they did do a lot with Andrea's backstory, with her story with Lena, with that actress who came in and totally nailed young Andrea. Mm. So, uh, you know, those things. I think, you know, if if I was the writer, I would want to retain that because it was so well done and and so. Uh, thoughtful in what they were trying to do. So yeah, I, it frustrates me a little bit. It's it's like some of the the time travel-y kind of thing that bothers me. Like in that big fight sequence that they have in the bar where they play NSYNC's It's Gonna Be Me, which I thought was very cringy. Um, I, <laughs> I love that song, but you're trying to establish that there's a lot of weight in what is happening. Like this is very serious. You you don't you don't put on it's gonna be me, and and, and Under, have, undercuts the seriousness quite a bit. It undercuts the the weight of what is happening. Um, but during that sequence, Supergirl yells out, "We can't undo the past!" And I was like, "Are you serious? Do do you do you not remember what you just did? Where you literally rebooted the multiverse? You undid the past. So I don't understand a lot of what." they did with this episode in terms of the fallout from crisis because some things i thought were quirky and unique and kind of fun but then some of it i was just like what is happening so i don't maybe it maybe it will um maybe it will eventually make sense and like there are some things like i know we were confused when we did the podcast crossover event about how superman didn't know about his two sons. <laughs> um, maybe we got an answer this week. It wasn't really clear, but uh, they did talk about how the only ones who knew the truth about Crisis were the ones who had their memory restored, and they named out Brainy, Nia, Kelly, and all the heroes who helped during Crisis. So maybe Superman, even though he's not named, maybe he did get told or get shown by Martian Manhunter like what happened pre-crisis and maybe he knew about that one son 
but he didn't know about that. But it's like they don't explain it. So I think that's that's kind of the unfortunate thing is that they'll explain some things, but then some of this other stuff, which is kind of confusing, they don't really they don't really take the time to to lay out what that is really all about. It was yeah, it was a little confusing. Yeah, so I guess we're just gonna go with it. I mean, we did <laughs> we did we did post Amadei. We survived post Amadei. <laughs> we survived the post Amadei world. We can survive post crisis. <laughs> I guess we can just go with it. Uh, so speaking of different characters, different takes on the characters, uh, multiple versions of the characters, uh, there were a lot of Brainiac fives in this episode. So Morgan, what did you think about getting to see these different versions of Brainy? Uh, I thought the uh, I thought the Brainies were all pretty fun. I so I I say this all the time, but I don't have like a like a big knowledge like a knowledge of brainy going back to any particular source material besides this like i've heard of brainy in different things but i haven't actually watched any of those things and so besides our like spotlight episodes i don't really have like a frame of reference so i felt like some of these brainies might be like calling back to something in the comics or in the you know animated shows but i didn't i didn't get the references (laughs) Yeah, I was actually really excited about it because it was reflecting the comic book source material. Uh, So when I first saw him in the purple suit with like the yellow boots and the yellow belt, that made me very excited because that was very much like Silver Age brainy. Like he he did look like that in the comics. And so that was very exciting. Um, And of course, there at the end when he removes his inhibitors and he (laughs) puts on the green makeup and uh has the yellow hair he looks he looks like uh more a more modern version of the character he sort of looked like the legion of superheroes animated series to me uh which is probably my favorite version of brainy so i i thought that was pretty cool so i really liked the fact that they um made use of his comic book looks and they actually made sense of the blue makeup the turquoise makeup because i guess that was the that was him holding himself in i guess is that how you understood that yeah that was how i understood it too and i thought that was interesting because i i remember when jesse rath first showed up on the show as brainy and everybody was like why does why does he look like that uh <laughs> because he was so blue yeah uh and i guess a a lot of brainies tend to be green Mm -hmm. and it was like it wasn't completely off of some of the i guess the animated shows or the comics but it was just a a different interpretation than than usual so i i thought it was kind of interesting how they were how they explained the uh the blue makeup and um and the i don't know what those things would be called on his head i guess they were called they were inhibitors Inhibitors, but uh Yeah, I thought that 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 was really interesting the way that they they talked about it. Um, And I was I mean, I was rolling with it. I couldn't determine whether or not they had this planned or if they had originally gone with the turquoise as like the look for him. And then when people were like, it's fine, (laughs) but it's not great. When that kind of reception came out, they were like, oh, we got to find a way to do the green makeup. (laughs) So so if that's the case, they did a good job because I think it makes sense. And I think it uh, was a good reveal. And 
Uh, I'm glad that it led to what it did. And I even liked the little touch when Brainiac, uh, Brainiac 5, during the fight, he gets injured, I guess, and one of his inhibitors gets cracked. And you can see the green skin underneath the blue skin. I thought oh, that, yeah. I thought that was a nice little touch. So whether or not they had it planned, I think they did the reveal of it very well. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, yeah, whether it was planned or whether it was like after he first kind of showed up on the show and they were like, everybody was like, oh, is that, is that the makeup they're going with? Because <laughs> <laughs> I felt like, you know, obviously to, to, I guess to save Jesse Rath from having to sit in the makeup chair for like his entire life, they uh, put that image inducer on him. So we hadn't actually seen his real brainy form in, in quite some time. And uh, when they when they showed the new, you know, the new version of Brainy and how he's going to look from now on, I, I remember just thinking like, oh, that's way better makeup. Like <laughs> his blue makeup was always kind of like like weirdly overly contoured like it was had been put on him by like a Kardashian or something <laughs> like I didn't I never really liked it like they they kind of dropped it like I'm just skimming through photos on Google image search and they kind of dropped some of that like extreme contouring after like his first couple of appearances but the blue was never my favorite so I, I actually think that the green looks a lot better. Yeah, I thought it was a, a cool look for him, and I'm I'm hoping that that will be uh, the case for him moving forward in terms of what he will look like when he does remove the image inducer and he becomes his you know true Brainiac Five self. Because I, I thought he looked really good, and it was awesome to see him in his purple suit with the the three dots. I even liked the the way that the other Brainies. Uh, gave him those those things and put it on his suit. I thought that was a nice nice touch for them to you know go into the big brain because it wasn't their earth. Um, so uh, I th- I thought that was a, a good way. To, uh, they explained his look very well. I thought so. I, I'm glad to see that justification and and the fact that it was written well and performed well. And I guess we could talk about uh, Jesse Rath's sister coming on Megan Rath and, and playing an, a, a female version of Brainy. What, what did you think about that? Yeah, I thought she was great. I, I really liked the actress. I've seen her in a couple of other things. So I was excited to see her on the show. And it's just like when you put her and her brother next to each other, man, they look so similar. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I, there's, you're really not going to be able to beat like the actual actor's sister for like being like, this is the female version of Brainy. Like, yeah, you, I buy that because they look so similar. Um, and, but I, I liked that her version of Brainy was sort of figuring, uh, sort of figured everything out so so fast, and but also had some like kind of interesting information about the her world and like the future, and that they had her world had also dealt with Leviathan. Yeah, it's what it sounded like that that she had to go up against Lex Luthor, and so that's why she gives Brainy, uh, our Brainy, uh, the advice about having to work with Lex Luthor to save the world. So I'm very curious about that because she did seem to know something. So uh, I'm sad that she's gone now because now we won't get that full story. But yeah, well, I was gonna say it always annoys me on TV shows where they're like especially when they have more than enough time he's he's she's like and then all this terrible stuff happened and just believe me you should work with Lex Luthor and he's like 
yeah, could you tell me more about that? She's like, I wish I had time. He's like looking around the empty room like, I think, I feel like we have nothing but time. <laughs> no, 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 no. Into the brain I go. And she's like, he's like wait, wait, just one more detail, please. <laughs> I, it was just, to me, that kind of stuff on TV drives me up a wall where it's like a, just a contrived reason why they can't tell you the full story. And then they're like, oh, no, I guess I'm dying. <laughs> Yeah, that that was pretty annoying. I also got um, a little agitated with the fact that they dropped the anti-life equation into this storyline and then didn't really go back to it. And I was like, the anti-life equation is like dark side stuff. Yeah, kind of a big deal. <laughs> you're, you're just going to mention that and move on? Like, no, let's go back to the fact that the anti-life equation exists in this universe what however this universe is set up now the fact that the anti-life equation exists piques my interest and they didn't do anything with it so i don't know maybe that's coming maybe that's uh i don't know and, and also the brain like the wasn't it the leather jacket brainy who killed the eye patch brainy with the anti-life equation so yeah the brain get it i i that's a that's a question that i wish they expanded on but they uh they didn't and uh now we're left with uh more questions so yeah so i i can understand your your issue with them uh introducing a concept and then not following through with it because that's how I felt about that part of the episode. And then, like, immediately dropping it. Like, whoops. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. So, oh, so I guess I had I had a quick question about, like, sure. the bottling of planets. Yes. Is this a thing that, that brainiacs do when they're, when they're bored or something? Like. Yes. Is this, like, a, a established brainiac trait? So Brainiac 5 doesn't do it, uh, but it's more of a Brainiac, uh, the villain, like the big bad, like the Superman big bad. That is his thing. So um, we read Superman Red Sun a little while ago. Oh, uh, mm, uh, I don't know, a year and a half ago, was it? Oh, it's been a while. Uh, but they talk about it a little bit in that book but it's not as big in uh that as in some other stories but brainiac will do that he's he's a collector of worlds is what he is usually referred to as and he will go around and he will bottle up worlds and he will put the, like he literally has a collection of worlds with those little bottles and he does it because he wants all the world's knowledge and so uh, that's how he is able to grow smarter and uh, be able to uh, have a lot of power is that he collects the knowledge of all the worlds. So that is why I'm leaning towards the the speculation that, that they're going to introduce Brainiac, like the real deal Brainiac, uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, that's why I feel like that's what I would do if I was one of the writers. Um so they're probably going to set me up for a big failure and not do that <laughs> at all. But uh, but yeah, that is very much a brainiac trait. Okay, good to know because I was because when I think of like something in a bottle, I think of the Bottle City, little Bottle City, Candor, right? Yeah. Candor? Mm -hmm. Can so Candor. that's kind of where I was like, is that supposed to be a reference, or does brainiac does brainiac bottle up 
cities a lot, like planets a lot. So it's good to know that that is like a brainiac trait because I wasn't sure what exactly they were drawing on from like the comics for that. Yeah, there are uh, different variations on uh, the bottle. A lot of stuff in bottles, huh? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of different uh, takes on the bottle city of Kandor. Um, One of the more famous uh, storylines is the new Krypton story where um, like Krypton gets shrunk down into, uh, I want to say it's been a while since I read it, but and I think there's an animated movie. I can't, Superman Unbound, I think, maybe is the one. Um, but the 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 planet, the the bottle gets released, and it becomes a new uh, a new city, a new world. So that's um, that that was kind of sort of what the don't don't open it because if you open the bottle it's gonna destroy both worlds that i think that was kind of uh playing on the new krypton stuff but there's a lot of different variations on the bottle city um it's weird they don't have a bottle city of candor i assume that there is a candor in the fortress of solitude maybe there is now on earth prime i don't know i don't know how Mm. that works now with the crisis stuff but but yeah, so it's very much a brainiac thing, and uh, it's very much tied to the bottle city of Kandor. So um, even though it wasn't a bottle city, it was a bottled earth. It's a bottled world, I guess is how I should say it. But it was the same concept. So uh, last last brainiac question. Sure. <laughs> um, is Brainiac's mom like a, a well-known? Villain? I don't know a lot about her, but uh, Kara underscore Quirrell, a.k.a. Wendy, um, she talked a little bit about Brainiac 5's family on our character spotlight on Brainy. So if anybody does have some questions about uh, Brainy's family, uh, go listen to that episode. And also uh, check her out on Twitter at Kara underscore Quirrell if you have any of those questions. Um, I think she is not great in the comics <laughs> i'm not as completely familiar with her and i don't i can't remember now I, I didn't have a chance to go back and revisit a lot of this stuff before we recorded i just i didn't have time uh but i don't know if the story about her bottling the the snow and all of that for him i don't know if that is a, uh, pulled from the comics or if that was just an original take on the character of the mother for the show but uh but yeah, she, I mean, yeah, I guess the the idea of what she did was nice. Like her son liked snow, so she wanted to give him snow. But <laughs> bottling a world to do that is probably not the best way to go about probably, that. There are probably some other ways to get sure. that, to get her done there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she's not great. And they've always kind of referenced her on the show as being not great. So I think they've always had that plan in there for Brainy's backstory that they were going to explain why his mother was not the best. So I'm glad we at least got some more information on his family. Well, Morgan, is there anything else uh, that we didn't talk about that you wanted to bring up? I guess we could talk, since we're still talking about Brainy, it seemed like Brainy and Nia broke up again, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's that's sure how it sounds. Um, you know what? Like it's one of those things where the more they break up, 
the less impact it has. Yeah. And they already broke up very brief or I guess had a big fight um, early on in the season where it seemed like they were either like about to break up or they were broken up. And then then like next episode, I was like, oh, they're still together. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like it didn't have a lot of impact on me because of that, because they like they keep on this whole season. They've sort of been playing with the idea that like maybe they're not right for each other or they don't know how to, you know, do a, like how to be in a relationship with each other. And so having him have to make this like heartbreaking choice to like leave Nia behind because the very vague uh, sister brainiac of his was like, Oh, uh, you have to break up with the girlfriend too. And he's like, really, do I have to? Okay, bye. <laughs> and she's just, <laughs> she just disappears. And he's like, okay, I guess I have to break up with my girlfriend. Um, I mean, I think in a, in a different scenario when they were, if they were like, you know, really well established and, and, like in a good place, that kind of storyline would really hit hard and be like, Oh God, like he's, he has to give up this person that he loves and he's got this great relationship with it. But considering that so much of the season has been them fighting or not understanding each other or, you know, not being at the same place, the idea that he had to like break up with her kind of, it, it almost felt like, yeah, but like, they were probably going to break up anyway. <laughs> yeah, I kind of didn't care because I felt like I'd seen it before. They did. They do this quite a bit. Like Lena and James broke up several times. Yeah, I I don't understand why they why they write them this way. I mean, the only way it could have been a little bit better was if he was like, "Hey, get into this limo, Nia. I just <laughs> need to tell you something real quick." And then he was like, "Sorry, we're done." And then he just like leans across, opens the door. He's like, "You're just going to have to roll out." <laughs> Lena, ta- Lena Le- I taught Lena about uh, Lena taught me about little boxes and she taught me about how the breakups work on your world. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it was uh not fun to watch them break up James and Lena break up again, but <laughs> And that that car bit was pretty funny. Uh, so I can only hope that they would have something funny like that. But I just, I don't, it it, it had no impact on me whatsoever. And so I, I, I would prefer it if a breakup meant something and it, it mattered. But I know that Brainy and Nier are just going to reconnect at the end of the season only to break up again sometime next season exactly exactly and i mean they did a pretty good job last season of showing their like their connection and having them be friends and then having that kind of organically build up to them being in a relationship but i feel like we're in that place again where like sometimes shows are like good at building building up to something and then once they have the two characters in the relationship they're like now what so it felt like all the Brainy and Nia stuff this season was like, can they get it together? And so then when you get to a point, like a, a moment like this where it's supposed to be like really heartbreaking because he's having to give up this thing that he this person that he loves. It's like, yeah, but like three episodes ago, you guys were breaking up. So like maybe this is for the best for everyone. I'm not I'm just saying <laughs> yeah, I I'm not a big fan of it. But yeah. uh but that's kind of where we are left with in this episode is that they they have seemingly broken up because uh, Brainy has to go it alone. 
Um, are there any other things that you wanted to talk about that we didn't before we wrap up our discussion? The post-crisis universe here is going to take a little bit of, of time to get used to, I guess. Yeah, we had some big changes this week, and it's definitely going to be uh, to take a while for me to get used to because now I have so many questions with even dumb things like how did Supergirl fight three witches and not seem to have any issue? We forgot to uh, we forgot to talk about the witches, but like, do you do you remember who? Which one was my favorite one? Which one was the stupid one? <laughs> I, I that was one of the things I meant to. I just I had no time. I had, I, had, I I couldn't remember, and I I forgot to look it up as well. I was like, oh no, stupid one, stupid one. <laughs> I did I did a, a Google Doc search, and I typed in the dumb one. And I thought for sure it would come up as the dumb <laughs> one, and it didn't. So I need to go back and actually listen to our episodes because I know we talked about it. Um, but I think the tall redheaded one maybe was the dumb. Was she the dumb one? Me? That feels right. I want to say, but I don't remember what her. She had a name, and I can't remember what her name was. Um, but and and maybe they haven't established it on this show but traditionally kryptonians have two weaknesses kryptonite and magic and i was just watching that fight yeah, and i was like that's a good point supergirl is handling these three witches using magic like it's no big deal which is funny because a lot of the times i feel like the show like depowers supergirl to like a weird extent where i'm like supergirl can't get out of that and this in this one instance she's uh, like where she should be like oh no i can't do anything it's it's my weakness magic she's like eh magic <laughs> she and she just punches that magic in the face so i i was i was like really this time this is what this is what we're gonna do. With? Maybe this is a post-crisis effect. Maybe on this uh, new world in in this new multiverse, and uh, that maybe they can handle it on this one. Also, didn't they keep referencing that there was no multiverse in this episode a lot? Yeah, but there, but there definitely is. is. There's is the thing. Yes, because, because we saw Brandon Routh as Superman flying towards the screen and winking at us. From Earth ninety six, I mean, uh, uh, from what I what I gather, there are less universes now. But they were like, well, I mean, like we can't we can't put like the DC the you know the DC stuff with the CW stuff with this other stuff. So we still need our universes. So now there's just less. Basically, they just condensed all the CW shows into one universe. Is what i'm understanding but like all the other dc properties are still their own thing so it the multiverse still exists it's just less mul there's just less multitudes of them i just i swear they keep they kept talking about in this episode about how there was no multiverse anymore yeah and, and i was so confused i was like y'all y'all don't remember crisis <laughs> yeah, Bra Bra brainy our brainiac five tells the other brainies that the multiverse is dead I was like, what? Yeah. 
I, I wanted him to be like, the multiverse is dead. Well, I mean, it's edited slightly. <laughs> so weird. This this episode... it's been condensed for ease. <laughs> I guess I guess it, the multiverse is dead sounds more dramatic than the multiverse has been condensed down so that we can all hang out more. But don't you dare try to be dramatic, and then play NSYNC's It's gonna be me. Don't it's gonna be me. <laughs> don't don't even try it because that that just does not work. So there were things I liked about this episode that I thought were really clever and interesting. And there were other parts of this episode I was like, what? What is happening? Why did you do that? Why did you say that? It was just some of it, some of it was just not uh, particularly well written or well, um, uh, I hate to say well executed because I think a lot of people can't justify why they say stuff like that. But I just, I don't think they... They really did a good job of getting us to this post-crisis world because uh, there are so many things that don't make a lot of sense to me. So I'm hoping that they will, over time, sort of smooth out some of those rough edges and maybe explain a few more things. And maybe they don't need to. Maybe they're like, you're on this new earth. Deal with it. Uh, <laughs> so I guess I can go with that. But yeah, I mean, this coming out of crisis, this was not... Yeah, I didn't feel like it was on sturdy ground, I guess is like what I could say. I had a lot of questions coming into it. I had a lot of questions going out of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it's better to have questions than not have questions. It's true. I guess that gives us something to discuss for the podcast. It's good for the <laughs> podcast. Uh, so I guess that's going to do it for our discussion, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about the bottle episode. Uh, so we have a tweet from at Supercorp Lover who says, I don't think that was Earth 38 Lillian. She's too cruel and pro-Lex to be the real Lillian. This has to be eviler Lillian from Female Brainiacs Earth. <laughs> I mean, I like the idea of there being out there an eviler Lillian. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I think that this is true, but I mean, bring on evil or Lillian. <laughs> um, at have underscore geek said, a liked Brainy's super makeover. Wish they'd have gone with this from the beginning, but for Jesse's sake, I'm glad the original makeup wasn't a hit and he got an image inducer so he didn't have to spend extra time in the chair. The hadn't had a good bar fight line cracked us up. Um, at Mark H. BPW oh, at Mark HBPWM. I actually had that right the first time. <laughs> uh, I watched the whole episode in shock because over on Batwoman, Kara apparently did some work. Uh, and James is definitely not back as art director because he never would have run the solid page of blog text they showed. Okay, so I guess while we're here, I might as well read uh, an email we got from one of our Supergirl Radio legal consultants, Leslie, because uh, this correlates to that tweet because she wrote in to tell us quote for the supergirl fans who do not watch batwoman it is interesting to note that in episode 10 of batwoman that Kara got the exclusive interview with batwoman and wrote the cat co cover story uh batwoman reveals herself as a lesbian uh and and leslie says uh bravo Kara! Kara having the ability to write such an article and kate having the ability to give Kara an exclusive are good reasons to have all the superheroes on earth prime there's also an article on Lena on this uh, cat co-cover that says, what's next for Lena? Lena Luther spotted in Gotham. So uh, it does seem like Kara actually did her job. That is shocking. Although I will say, looking at the cover of this cat co-magazine, 
I can now buy the fact that Cat Coat could be a tabloid. It's not a great cover. It's uh, not a great cover. It does read a little bit like um like a like a people magazine almost. Yeah. I'm also I'm also a little bit like I, I'm trying not to laugh at the fact that, like, as a lesbian is all caps and then italicized <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Why the italics? <laughs> uh, I guess I'm going to have to watch the Batwoman episode to understand the context of this, but uh, uh, it's... I Yeah, so it's... Uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, it does... It doesn't look like a a, a journalistic... Uh, news outlet that would warrant someone winning a Pulitzer, I guess. No, is the no, thing. not not with that cover design. No, <laughs> so uh, uh, so that's what uh, Mark was talking about in his tweet about Kara uh, doing some work. So she actually did write an article, and so I'm glad to see that at least Kate and Kara have taken their established dynamic from these crossovers, and it's kind of showing some fruit in other uh, ways across the shows. At Patty Mello 20 said, I can't believe Hope is no more. Mm. She was Lena's only friend, and now she's teaming up with her evil brother because she doesn't want to be alone. How sad is that? She should just ditch Lex and build two robot friends this time. <laughs> <laughs> Can we keep Lady Brainy, please? She was fantastic. Can you imagine two hopes? Two hopes. Oh, my heart would grow <laughs> so many sizes for that. <laughs> I, w- I would have to start learning how to do the robot voice. <laughs> That's true. You, I'd have to tap you in. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Cara underscore Quirrell said, I cried during the breakup, but hoping they're just getting a mulligan to come in healthier. The look was everything I hoped for two years ago, as well as the personality. And the dynamic of both Brainiac 5s was well integrated in the backstory. The perceived betrayal is also a common Brainiac theme, but I now trust he can keep ahead of Luther. And we also got get a chance for that Luther Brainiac partnership. So at Electra WWF said, I absolutely love Brainy's new look green and his new uniform and his new personality aside from that it seems like lena and Kara keep having the same conversation every time they talk lena really needs to get over this at some point <laughs> I, I you know what i will agree with that it's getting a little repetitive where Kara's like i'm sorry i lied lena's like i'm never gonna forgive you and then they just kind of stare at each other for a while and, and lena's like never you would th- <laughs> you would think that the multiverse getting destroyed would maybe give each of them a little compassion for one another especially since Kara helped bring lena back from yeah. being destroyed i mean the univ- the the multiverse might be air quotes no more but lena's pettiness is forever <laughs> <laughs> um at omar shah jaffrey says no mention of james was his memory restored? Trick question, of course. He survived Crisis on Infinite Earth, memories intact because of the temporal, uh, temporary pocket universe under his desk apartment. <laughs> he that took shelter. Sense. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. He's like, everyone shelter under your desks. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Kagan Mayer said, I did not know I needed a Supergirl fight scene with NSYNC playing until now. It's even better when you remember how big of a fan Kara is of NSYNC. Now, I'm glad someone enjoyed that sequence. Uh, <laughs> That's true. I, I did not. And I'm actually a really big fan of NSYNC. I actually saw them in concert. I traveled to New Orleans, <gasps> Louisiana. 
and saw them in concert and it was a great concert it was a great experience I uh, I went to one of their uh let's see I can't remember which album it was but they had a new album come out this was before like uh you could buy digital music off iTunes and stuff like that but I went when that CD like first dropped at midnight and I got it I I'm a, I'm a huge NSYNC fan don't don't get don't get it twisted I love NSYNC I did not think it worked well in that sequence uh but I'm glad someone enjoyed it <laughs> Um, at VH451 said, a lot to take in as the show resumes post-crisis. John Cryer was great again as Lex. MVP goes to Jesse Rath and the multiple brainies. Where have they been hiding him all this time? RIP Hope. Can we still get the the Hope voiceovers in the podcast? You sure can. <laughs> <laughs> and and let's, listen, let's, let's not give up on Hope because no one actually said that Hope was gone. They they were just dunking on her robot friend. We don't know <laughs> if the robot friend still exists. Now, it wouldn't make much sense for Lena to have created a robot friend in this reality. But maybe she always just wanted one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have to give up, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. Um, at, at Cloud the Westie said this show has become about everyone else and Supergirl is in the background and Lena whatever is causing the Joan Collins to deal with it embrace the pain spank your inner moppet whatever but get over it um, an amazing Cordelia quote from Buffy yeah I, I that's a good quote and also a good comment about Supergirl being in the background I've she got some things to do in this episode but it still felt felt like other and and i don't mind brainiac 5 taking an episode and, and giving him a chance to shine but it kind of was a bummer coming off crisis and her having such a big deal in crisis and it was like oh we're we're back to the show that <laughs> features her in the title and and she doesn't do much okay i guess we're doing this yeah it does feel like the first episode back from crisis should have been like Kara focused yeah and then like episode two could have been about brainy and like the many brainies yeah yeah so uh i guess i'm gonna have to get used to this again because i was so (laughs) i was i I was so spoiled by crisis surprisingly spoiled by crisis i went in with it with low expectations because i thought akara wouldn't get anything to do remember when we were like oh all the supermen are gonna take all the attention away and then Kara was like i'm gonna do everything (laughs) and it was awesome it was awesome (laughs) and and now and now we're back yeah (laughs) Um, at picks by Katie McGee said, um, so happy to finally have seen Megan Rath on the show. Jesse was exceptional as always. The entire show feels different. It made me feel nostalgic. I miss our Earth 38 home. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Welcome back. Um, and then we have uh, another one from uh, at VH451 who said, Arrow versus most ambitious crossover, and it didn't disappoint. Food for thought. How would you rank all the crossovers? My top four, number one, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Number two, Crisis on Earth X, close second. Number three, Elseworlds. Number four, Invasion. Do you have a ranking, Morgan? I mean, but does this count like the first crossover with Kara and Barry and like the crossover where everybody sang songs? Oh. Because the, I mean, I think I've been spoiled by like 
the Buffy musical as like the pinnacle of television musicals, but I did really enjoy the uh, the musical episode. I yep. feel like that would be. I think it counts high. as a crossover. So okay, so then I think hmm, maybe you go. <laughs> okay, um, my number one is Crisis on Earth X. Uh, I know it's a bold choice, uh, but that is a bold choice. But that had um. My one of my favorite scenes that features Supergirl in anything was when uh, Overgirl is taunting Kara while Kara's in that room with the red sunlight. Why do you care if I take your heart? You're not using it. At least I have one. That was such a good scene. I loved it so much. <laughs> um, so Crisis on Earth X would be my favorite um, I guess Crisis on Infinite Earths, like all the crisis, the crises. Uh, so Crisis, mm-hmm. uh, so Earth X would be number one. Infinite Earths would be number two. Elseworlds, number three. Invasion, number four. Yeah, so I'm back and forth between the two crises for one and two. Because I feel like, so I feel like Crisis on Infinite Earths was more ambitious. And like, more exciting for like, the all the cameos and all that kind of stuff it just felt so big and and, and ex, like comic booky whereas crisis on earth x i think was a more consistent storyline where like like a more consistent more consistent throughout the parts in mm. qual in terms of quality sure, whereas yeah. i think that crisis on infinite earths went like woo up and <laughs> yeah, down like, yeah, a, ro- yeah, like yeah. a roller coaster where like one part i was like okay and then the next part I was like yes it's awesome and the next part was like it's not that great anymore <laughs> uh, so i think for like quality wise i would give it to earth x like ambition wise i would give it to infinite earth that's so fair. that's 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 nothing that I just said. And then third <laughs> third would be the musical. Oh, I forgot and the then, musical. I forgot yeah. The musical. And then I guess fourth would be Elseworlds. And then um, fifth would be Invasion. Because Invasion was was fun because it was our first one. But, like, Supergirl basically, like, she, the Supergirl episode. Sidelined. Yeah, like, didn't even exist in, in the crossover. Yeah. <laughs> and then she got sidelined because they didn't know how to deal with a character as powerful as Supergirl. So they were like, you, off in the corner. In a crossover about aliens. About- in a crossover about aliens, she was just too powerful, which, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, since I forgot Duet, um, I would probably put Duet after Crisis on Infinite Earths and before Elseworlds. That's probably what I do. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's that's a good look uh, down memory lane. All right. So I guess we'll go into some emails. So the first one we have is from Kanisha, who writes, quote, I'm hoping to get your thoughts on the show's post-crisis timeline. Since Lex changed things in his deal with the Monitor, I wonder how much of the past 5.5 seasons of the show are still intact. Do you think previous storylines have been nullified? If so, which ones do you think have been undone? I started thinking about this when we see Lena talk to Lillian at the Luther Foundation. It seems like the Cadmus storyline never happened mm. on Earth Prime. Looking forward to your thoughts, unquote. Ooh. Yeah. I, ooh. I didn't even think about Cadmus and everything that Lillian had done when she first showed up. So I've got a, I've got a great thought now, which is... <laughs> What's up with Jeremiah Danvers? Then? I was ex- I, <laughs> like, you're not going to believe me, but I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> I understand that the show 
doesn't care and neither does Alex but uh, it just made me think like why is he in the wind now does he didn't he become a cyborg is that where we yeah, left him he sure he's, a, he's a cyborg in the woods somewhere yeah, he was like a cyborg like he's in my mind every time we joke about Jeremiah Danvers I just see him out in the woods with like twigs and stuff in his <laughs> hair and like now who knows where he could be he could be anywhere ah <sighs> They need to they need to follow all of this up uh, yeah. because I I need some some answers about what's happening now because I guess if Lillian and Lex sort of touched that storyline it would change yeah because I'm guessing that anything that Lex sort of had a hand or the Luthers had a hand in gets altered so big question Lex is still the head of L Corp now right so w- what is Lena and is it L Corp or is it Luther Corp? Because she turned it from Luther Corp to L Corp when he turned out to be, like, you know, homicidal. But because <laughs> she was trying to, you know, get away from that toxic brand. Right. But now <laughs> that Luther is, you know, everybody's, uh, you know, man of the year, I, I I can't imagine that she's, the like, running her own company anymore. She's probably working for Lex. Yeah, I guess it's just Luther Corp. I guess it's just, I mean, these are the things that I feel like they, they really need to start diving into in the next episode or so. Yeah, because it does seem like, it almost feels like a reboot of the show a little bit. Um, so we heard from a new listener named Dudu who writes, the idea that there is more than one Brainiac 5 makes sense because all of the universe is merged and I expect to see more than one of the characters. But is there only one universe? At the end of Crisis, we saw that there we saw there is more than one, for example, the universe with Green Lantern. It doesn't make any sense that they said that they can't restore the memories for everyone, but it seems to me that everyone knew what happened during Crisis. Yeah, I think it's just all of the main people who are related to the events of Crisis. I don't think, like, Al from Al's bar is going to know what happened during Crisis. Although, did he? But I, I got the impression that the Al's bar thing was, like, a Crisis anomaly. Like those those characters popping up and having doubles or just popping up happened as a weird like sort of flux of crisis. So some of the villains who have died maybe on the show are they going to pop back up? Are we going to see? I mean, can, if, like can live if we can get live wire? <laughs> I like that our our brains both go to the exact same place. If that means we get live wire back, I'm fine with anything that happened. Yeah, because if if now we can see multiple characters again, yeah, I it's just very confusing. So new Rachel wrote in saying, Jesse and Megan Rath were so good in this episode, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where this plot goes. The only drawback was Lex's bashing of hope. <laughs> but knowing him, I think Lena might use this opportunity to build a better hope mm. just to prove him wrong. I hope you're right, new Rachel. <laughs> uh, also, there wasn't as much Kara or Alex as I would have liked, but they still had good scenes in the episode. So I'm happy with it for now. There wasn't as much Kara. I mean, that is the problem. There wasn't as much Kara. And and if you're an Alex fan, she was basically non-existent in this one. Her thing was, Lex is my boss now. How do I handle it? Yeah, it was like, isn't it weird that Lex is my boss? No, that's my line of the episode. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's very sad because Car and Alex should be the the central focal point of the show. The uh, rant over. Um, okay, so Daryl, uh, our last email comes from Daryl, who writes in with this question, quote, if Kara is in a world where Lex is a good guy, does this mean she is no longer a Pulitzer-winning reporter since the article she won for took Lex down, and now he's a hero in the world's eyes, unquote. So I guess we sort of already <laughs> talked about Catco being but a tabloid now. I hadn't considered that, and I think that's a really valid theory which is that she didn't win a pulitzer anymore because what did she win what did she win it up for because she wouldn't need to take lex down because he's a he's everybody's favorite dude everybody's favorite dude which you know i don't want to like hate on on cars parade but i actually kind of like that because after you mentioned it earlier this season like as you know where else can she go professionally after winning a pulitzer it did seem like yeah, what are, what are we doing with her now, like, in her professional life? So it, it, it's, it might be nice to reset her back a little bit and give her something to strive for, you know, maybe have her show up at work occasionally now. She's got she's to gotta work for it again. Yeah, I'm actually okay with that, too, if they take away her Pulitzer, because I, I did think it was a little too soon. So, yeah, I think Daryl has a point, and I think it's a valid one, and... I think they need to talk about it on the show, if that's the case. Uh, just because that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> All right. Well, we have some voicemails. Hello, Supergirl Radio. Your boy Mauricio here again. So it's the episode after Crisis. And boy, oh boy, I'm just so happy to see you drawing Cryer. I still want to know how many episodes he's doing this season because I know he's very expensive to do. But um, I'm just kind of curious with my question. And um, besides being a fantastic episode, um, did any of you pause on the news on the internet that Lena was doing when she was researching what's after crisis? Because I paused on it and I saw that there was an article that the DEO was was like running out of budget, and the reason why Lex owns it is that Lex saved DEO by funding it. That's why it's under it's his supervision. So I thought I thought that was nice, cast, but it sucks because you have to like really pause it to see that, but. Anything else that caught your eye or tipped or anything? Like when you paused or saw something you liked? That's all, guys. Take care and have a nice day. Uh, and Mauricio wonders if we noticed anything different about this new reality. And I think we talked about most of those things about William's uh, explanation of Russell's backstory has changed, um, which changes things for Andrea, which changes things for William, which then changes his investigation into Leviathan. Um, and then the cat co thing was weird to me. So I think we hit everything. Yeah, I think so. That was kind of different. Yeah, I did. Because it didn't really. I mean, Alex got her memories restored by Martian Manhunter by Jean. So that was not a problem for her. Um, we didn't get much on Jean. Kind of what he's what he's doing now. Um, and Brainy and Nia weren't really bothered by anything because they both had their memories restored. So there wasn't, I, I, I don't think we noticed anything else. I think we talked about all that. Uh, the next voicemail comes from Lewis, a.k.a. the caller formerly known as Lido. Lady, the best GR, what's up? It is Lido from Twitter, but I guess you can just call me Lewis now because I'm pretty sure you saw me in the chat on yesterday's uh, podcast, which was great. Um, having listened to not only the podcast a second time, but I decided to actually rewatch the entire crisis from beginning to end. Um, I'll give a brief 
re-listing of my favorite episodes. I really think for me personally, it's uh, episode three, then five, then four, then two, then one. Um, so I'm not going to reiterate, obviously, what I thought about one through three. We've already been on that emotional roller coaster. But I will say I just I just loved it. I love I overall I loved it. I love what they did. I love the combination of all of the universes finally. Um it's kind of what most of the fandom have been predicting for some time now, but to finally see it done and, and see how they did it uh, I thought was great. Um you know, I had actually rewatched uh the episodes via my uh Xbox, which was different than when I first saw the episodes via the CW app. And I gotta say that CW app doesn't do the shows justice because I don't think the CG was bad as everybody remembers it being. I don't know if you guys watched it on the CW app or watched it by another means, but the CG didn't look bad at all. I thought it looked great. Um the for Oliver line was a little cringy. But there were just so many awesome moments, like Supergirl, what looks like it was she was going to sacrifice herself to save Superman, and the effect of the wind blowing through her hair as she changed from different speed after different speed was just amazing. I mean, I, I could probably talk for hours about all the little moments that I loved, and I know I don't have time to do that, but I loved it. I thought it was great. They And this, this new uh, part two of the, each season feels like a brand new season to me. And I think that's awesome that they could do that halfway through and kind of just reboot themselves. Um, I can't wait for more. Uh, I just, I loved it. I loved every second of it. And I'm probably going to rewatch it a hundred more times. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thank you, Lewis, for uh, calling in and uh, letting us know what you thought about parts four and five. And before we wrap up our feedback, we wanted to make some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So the first one comes from at Vetty A, who asks, which will happen next week? We find out that Hope is back working with Lena or the Crisis on Infinite Earths resurrected Mercy Graves. Ooh. Ooh. Morgan, which one would you rather see happen? Because this is a tough one. This is a tough one. This is everything I've ever wanted. <laughs> um, but uh, listen, I have to go with my girl, Hope. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, as much as I loved Mercy Graves, I I think it would be unfortunate if we didn't see Hope again. Because she was such a big part of the first half of the season. I know. So, so I, I, hope that Ho- I hope that Hope comes back <laughs> into play. All right. So the next sa- snap judgment is from at Mark HBPWM who says, uh, Oliver is the specter, an immortal zombie hosting the nigh omnipotent incarnation of the wrath of God or Oliver just plain dead. I'm going to give Oliver the specter. Let, let, let him do something, but like as a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, would I be a terrible person if I just said Oliver just plain dead? I mean, this is a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> Not for Oliver, though. Not for Oliver, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I liked him as the Spectre, but oh, I'm I'm going to sound like a terrible person. <laughs> but like his death and and Arrow going away means that I get Green Arrow and the Black Canaries. So I guess I'm going to say just plain dead. 
Sorry. <laughs> you know, at least I'm going to get some show that has Green Arrow and the Black Canaries working together. That's exciting for me. Uh, so I, if that sounds terrible, I probably am a terrible person, but I'm going to say just plain dead. All right. So the next one is Snap Judgment, J-U-D-G-M-E-N-T, or Snap Judgment with an E between the G and the M. <laughs> so Morgan, huh. what is your preferred spelling? They're both correct. That uh, is, I, yeah, that's a, that's a good Snap Judgment. Mm. Uh, I think without the E. I am also going to go without the E. I I was taught without the E when I was in middle yeah, school. This is this is a tough one. This is a, a grammar snap judgment. But then when I go to Planet Fitness, they have the <laughs> E in there. They're like, no judgments in Planet Fitness. Nobody's going to judge you for what you look like. But then I'm like, I'm judging you because you have the E in there. But I'm uh, <laughs> there's no E in that no judgment. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks weird with the E. That's just my personal opinion. It really Our, does. All right, so at a Chase Aphrodite uh, asks Cara's bangs or Lena's mullet. So I, I guess I, I guess this is referring to Lena's hairstyle in the bottle episode. Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't <laughs> great. Um, I'm gonna go Cara's bangs because I think that Cara's bangs really work when like it her hair is down. I just don't love them as much when her hair is up. But Lena's mullet was not was not my favorite Lena Luther look. Yeah, she her hair is a little high, a little high. A little high. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was full of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to put pick Cara's bangs on this one. All right, so Kanisha asks, post crisis or post Amade? <laughs> um, hmm. Hmm. what was I more confused about? I think. Yeah, I yeah, I guess that's hmm. the question. Or which one do you understand better? I don't know. Which, <laughs> Wait, how do you have so ne- ne- neither of them? So I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go post crisis. I'm gonna say post Amade because at least with post Amade, like we had the question about him going to that Met Gala, but at least that was the <laughs> only thing that was affected. Uh, so I had less questions after after Amade's appearance. So I'm gonna go post Amade. Smart. So I, I have a funny Amade story that I keep forgetting to to mention to you, which is like during the uh, during the holiday break, m- my fiance and I were watching The Witcher, and we were watching it. And there's this like, one character whose name is something weird. It's like Mouse Rat, or I'm definitely <laughs> making that up. Mouse Sack, something. I'm. I swear it's it's weird like that. But so he he's like this. Uh, he's like a like a magician or something like a magical person and i kept on going like god why is he so familiar looking like i can't i can't place him i just no matter what he was so familiar so finally i, I go to mike i'm like could you look him up and and like let me know where we've seen him from because it was bothering both of us and he goes he was in supergirl and i was like what who was he in supergirl and he goes i don't know he was a character name what is that Amadei? And I laughed so hard. She did not understand why. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, uh, we're living in a post-Amadei world, even in The Witcher. <laughs> so I thought it was really important that I tell you that. And I was like, I was gonna text it to you. And I was like, no, I feel like I'm gonna save that for the podcast. <laughs> uh, I wish I could have been there. That seems hilarious. It was just so funny because, like, uh, you you and I, 
and our listeners are very familiar with Amade, but to like <laughs> a Supergirl watcher, it'd be like, I don't know, some character named Amade? And I was like, you don't understand. That changed everything for us. <laughs> that, character, that character changed it all. <laughs> that changed everything. Oh, man, that's so funny. Now i got to watch The Witcher. I hadn't gotten a chance to watch it yet. <laughs> now I have more motivation. Uh, it's like Henry Cavill, but also Amade is yeah. maybe the more important part of that. I, I mean, it's a, it's a real DC reunion of, like, the heavyweights of the DC. <laughs> <laughs> Superman and Amade. <laughs> and they're they're interconnected, though. Exactly. It's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that story with me. Delightful. Um, okay. So Maddie asks, leather jacket brainy or yellow boots brainy? I think I like the boots. I'm going to go yellow boots. I will also go yellow boots brainy. Uh, so Jiminy's Journal, which was the username in the live DCTV podcast crisis podcast crossover event. So Jiminy's Journal from that live chat asked, would you have rather seen... Justin Hartley as Aquaman or David Mazouz or uh, I feel like David Mazouz, I think is how you say his name as Batman uh, from Gotham. So would you, which one would you rather have seen make an appearance in Crisis on Infinite Earths? As today, I believe as we're recording it is Pete, uh, Pete Ross's birthday. I'm going to. I'm going to say Justin Hartley, and then I'm going to yell, Remy Zero! <laughs> that one's for you, Pete. Oh, my gosh. What if Pete Ross... Forever. What if Pete Ross just showed up and he was chewing that kryptonite I'm still, gum? Still chewing that kryptonite gum. It, it's somewhere there's, like, an earth just for Pete Ro- <laughs> Ross to, like, plug different products. <laughs> somewhere out there, Pete Ross is an Instagram influencer now. <laughs> I wanted to see that earth. Um, I would have wanted to see, I want this is not part of the question, but I would actually rather have seen Justin Hartley as green arrow, but yeah, but I guess if I had to pick one, I would be Justin Hartley as Aquaman. Okay. So last couple of snap judgments come from Anna. So these are a little, uh, in depth, so just go with it. Uh, so when it comes to Lena, what is Kara saddest about? That her choice to lie caused Lena so much pain and hurt her that she can no longer trust uh, trust her and has isolated herself in a wall of heartbreak? Or is Kara saddest because she believes she will never talk to, eat pot stickers with, listen to and sync with, laugh or spend time with uh, her best friend again? So which one do you think uh, is is what's going on uh, with Kara? Why is she the most, uh, why is she saddest about the deal with Lena? So this is like a nice light snap judgment then. <laughs> Anna, Anna, my God. <laughs> why? Um, that's my snap judgment to Anna. It's just why. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, um, hmm. I'm going to go, you know what? Um, we had a little in sync in this one. I'm going to go with, she said it's because uh, she doesn't have anybody to, you know, eat pot stickers and listen to in sync with. I mean, uh, Lena, Lena could have if she still had her little robot friend. That's true. 
That's true. Oh man, Hope Hope is the biggest NSYNC fan. You know she I, is. You know she is. She's like <laughs> lyrically, they are brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that Kara would be upset that she lied to Lena, but I think Kara is such a a, a a someone who feels really deeply and uh, loves her friends and family, and I think she would be. Um, saddest about the fact that she didn't get to hang out and do things with her best friend. So that's what I'm going to pick for that snap judgment. Okay, so the second one from Anna is, who is more heartbroken? Nia believing that she will never be good enough to be loved by Brainy's true self or Brainy knowing he has to deeply hurt Nia in order to save everyone? So who is more heartbroken? Who is more heartbroken right now? I, that's a hard one. I don't know. I think that they are they're both pretty heartbroken right now. Um hmm, I'm going to go with Nia because I think that there's there's probably nothing worse than just like getting dumped out of the blue without any like lead up to it. I don't know. Not that they have been having the perfect relationship this season, but <laughs> I think I think without any like reason why is probably pretty tough. Yeah, I'm gonna go Nia because at least Brainy knows. At least, what's at least going Brainy on. knows what's going on. He's like, I, you know, I have to make this sacrifice. Nia's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the final snap judgment from Anna is: Would you rather have Car and Lena never repair their bond and stay heartbroken forever, or have Car and Lena finally repair their bond only to have Lex shoot and kill Lena right after she and Kara pull away from a hug? Oh, God that is. Anna, Anna, honestly, I'm gonna. What What is your email? I will send you pictures of puppies. We gotta, (laughs) we gotta get you out of this this dark place, Anna. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we've got to make a choice. Oh, jeez, I don't like either of these choices, Anna. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so never repair their bonds. Stay hard. Never repair. Or. God. All right. Well, well, I want them to repair their bond. Yeah. So I guess I have to choose Car and Lena finally repair their bond only to have like shoot and kill Lena right after she and Car pull away from a hug. I guess that's what I have to choose. Because otherwise I have to choose never repair their bond and stay heartbroken forever. I mean, but if we pick the never repair their bond, I guess we, I guess we could get like eventually like super evil scenery chewing lena luther which could be fun in a way and also hope might come back and hope might come listen i'm not giving up on hope so i'm going with never repair that bond but now that you mentioned that i think i'm gonna go never repair their bond too because then lena stays alive and hope has a chance and hope has a chance and that's all we want (laughs) (laughs) is a chance for hope isn't that what supergirl is all about anyway (laughs) No judgments on your snap judgments. Okay, well, thank you all for sending in those snap judgments and for everyone's feedback. That's going to do it for uh, all of our feedback and uh, for our thoughts and your thoughts on the bottle episode. If you'd like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252 and make sure you write in and call in before Tuesdays at 
6.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And just FYI, we've been trying some different things out on Instagram. So yeah, we have. You should be uh, following us on Instagram because uh, I love me some Instagram stories now. I've started doing them. I'm having a lot of fun with them. Um, you, you might get some behind-the-scenes stuff every now and then. So just go check us out on Instagram. It's a lot of fun. All right. Uh, you can also listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the show. Uh, I guess we'll have to put NSYNC's It's Gonna Be Me on there this week. Uh, we're also on Radio Public and Podchaser. We are also on dccomics.com uh, slash dc-fans. And we are available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And you can find all of the things I just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to the Macho Man for the DC TV plugs. Oh, yes, yeah, the Macho Man Randy Savage. And I'm here to tell you that Supergirl Radio is a part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you like other shows on their network, like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Batwoman, Titans, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, Stargirl, and don't forget the classic DC TV shows. You can subscribe to all this on DC TV Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter. And like DC TV podcasts on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Dig it. And I guess we should maybe put this out to the listeners. We haven't done a formal, uh, like, giveaway uh, proposition to the listeners just yet. But we need some new DC TV plugs. The ones we have are great, but they're a little outdated. We've had some shows come and gone. And uh, so maybe we need some new plugs. So uh, I guess but by uh, by the end of the season, I think we, we need some new plugs. So if, if anybody wants to send in some, uh, well, maybe, maybe next week we'll announce maybe a more formal uh, giveaway situation that maybe uh, if you send something in, maybe you'll get a little something back from us. The thing that you're definitely going to get is my eternal gratitude because I don't want to do them. Guys, I don't want to do these plugs. Yeah. You're doing it. Do it for me. No, nay. Do it for Hope. Do it for Hope. As Hope was d- disappearing from the multiverse, she said, please help Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> she hates the plugs. <laughs> So yeah, maybe we'll we'll we might uh, announce it on an Instagram story post. So follow us on Instagram. All right, so uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, speaking of which, at the Derby Kid, I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at JLUniverse.Podomatic.com. Also do some voice acting on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest. So there are a couple of different ways that you can uh, keep up with me uh, aside from Supergirl Radio. Um, and, uh, just, uh, check me out over there. And you can find me on, uh, Twitter. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Um, and you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Uh, this time when I'm saying it, it's completely true, you guys. 
Mm. We are we are recording this week. There's a new episode. We're going to be recording, I think, a double episode covering the new one and also a separate episode where we're going to talk about crisis. Um, so those should be should be coming out this week, I think, probably towards the end of the week. So, you know, hold on tight. Thanks for thanks for hanging in there during the hiatus when we were you know, we started out kind of consistent and then like less consistent and then like crickets, crickets, crickets for a little while. But we, we know that you guys are going to be like back, back with us. And that's why the best way to make sure that you get your Legends of Tomorrow content is just to subscribe because you we don't we don't believe in that whole thing where we like post at the same time all the time. And like we like to keep you on your toes. We like to keep it fresh. <laughs> The, the the thing I'm excited the most about Legends of Tomorrow coming back to television is I get to listen to the podcast again. Exactly. You don't even have to watch the show. No. You're not watching the show. You're like, oh, I, I can't catch up with that right now. It's okay. It's okay. We'll, we'll take you through it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very excited that new Legends episodes means new Legends podcast episodes. So that's very cool. All right, well, I think it's going to do it for our episode on the bottle episode. Uh, but until next time, I'm still, still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember, love is not meant to minimize you. It makes you more.